not sure that I ever actually made a mixed tape because I was pretty young when tapes were popular, right? Later on, CDs came, and I know that I definitely burnt my favorite playlists onto CDs and stuff like that. But when I was young, I, I really only listened to two tapes, and I wore those bad boys out, right? All I needed was a little Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks <laughs> and a little Right Stuff by New Kids on the Block. That's it. I listened to those bad boys over and over and over. That's all I needed. And it was so funny because every time my mom would go out to her car, um, I would, she, she would like get mad because her Garth Brooks tape was not in her car. And she'd be like, Corey, go get the tape out of your bedroom and bring it up here. And man, we would, we would jam out. Friends in Low Places, Mr. Blue, like I still remember it. It's it's good stuff. My mom's actually going to be here in the other service, so maybe I'll bring her up and we can do a little duet, but you, you missed out. So, uh, no, not going to happen. But then CDs, CDs showed up, right? CDs were great, but they had their downfall too. I mean, the cassettes, you know, you had to wind those things with the pencil, right? You pull it out of the stereo and it'd be stuck in there and you're trying to fish it out and then you'd have this rat's nest and you'd have to twist and twist and get it. But then it was pretty good. But CDs, you'd get this little scratch on that thing. Man, it was so annoying, right? And when it was scratched, it was scratched and you couldn't really do a whole lot about it. And then it would skip. Do you remember this? Right? Like you'd be listening to it and be like, I got friends in low places. And it'd be like, and then it would start skipping. I got friends in low. Play, 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 play. And you're like, you're stupid thing. Right? And then you'd have to like try to fast forward it just enough to skip the scratch. Or you'd have to skip the song completely just to get past that scratch. And one trick they tried to tell you it would work was you, you, put, you use toothpaste. Anybody ever try this on a CD? You put toothpaste on it and you're supposed to like be able to rub it gently and the scratch would come out. Let's be honest, what really happened was you just got a scratch CD covered in toothpaste. That's what happened. And by the time you were done, uh, it was like the harder you tried to fix it, the scratch would get deeper and then more scratches would come and you'd rub and you tried and the little scratch turned into a big scratch and the skip would get worse and then you just end up throwing the thing in the garbage and your room smelled like spearmint and that's all that really happened. <sighs> the more you tried, the more it got worse. A couple weeks ago I was at camp with 50-some junior hires, Pastor Mitch and I, and a couple other leaders. And so many of our students heard from God in such a powerful way. They encountered him in powerful ways. And after camp, I actually sat down and chatted with a few of our students and just said, like, now that you encountered God, what's going to be different? What, what's changed in you? And they, they said things like, I'm going to try to stop using bad language, and I'm going to try to start telling more of my friends about Jesus and all these awesome things that they decided they were going to work harder at doing. And it sounds great, right? But I, I wasn't super excited with the conversations I had, at least at the beginning. Not because I didn't want them to change, but more because of how they said they were going to do it. You see, working hard, it wasn't going to change things for the long run. Maybe for a short time, but working harder doesn't always fix it. Now, now don't get me wrong, because you can't read the Bible 
without seeing that our lives, our actions, that they should definitely change when we become followers of Jesus. Um, there's no question that we should try to be more like him. And I want to just show you a few spots really quick just as we get started here. There's more than this. But 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 says, God, For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. You must follow in his steps. Right there. We're supposed to live like him. Ephesians 5.1. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Or 1 John 2.6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And there's so many more verses like this. We should live like Jesus. And I know most people who have Jesus in their life, they want to do this. They want to change. They want to live like him. Because when we understand what Jesus did for us, we are so grateful that we want to live for him. That's the natural response. We want to live for him. But then why is it so stinking hard? Why is it so hard to live like Jesus did, like, like we should? We try and we try to be better, but but we're like Paul a lot of the times when Paul says, I don't do the things I want to, and I do the things I don't want to do. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. Kind of seems like that scratch CD, like the harder we try, the worse it gets. We try so hard to get that mark out of our life, that, but it just doesn't go away. Trying harder to live for Jesus just doesn't always seem to work. And so it's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating. I want to live for God, but it's just not happening, and I'm trying. And I tell you what, I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing people who are a part of our church or a part of the church in general who don't seem to be moving in the direction that they want to. Not because I'm disappointed in them, not because I'm angry, but because I see how badly people really want to live for Jesus, and they're trying, and they're trying, and it's just not happening. It's, it's sad to me. I want to see people moving forward because they want to, but they can't make it happen no matter how hard they try. And trying harder, that's what we do as Americans, right? We work hard. We, like, bust our butt. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We are self-made men and women. Come on. It's what we do. But it doesn't work all the time with following Jesus, does it? And maybe this is where you're at. I think all of us, to some degree, are here. We, we have something in our life that we want to change. There's something we want to do for God or there's something that we want to stop in our life, something that we need to figure out, but trying harder just isn't working. I hope I've built attention for you and you see that there's a problem here. Like, yes, you're right. I want to, but I just can't figure out how. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to share something with you. This is a big, bold statement. I want to share something with you that I know I know will absolutely actually help you move forward in your relationship with God. Because there is one area that we should be working hard at. The problem is so many times we're putting our efforts in the wrong areas. We're working hard at the wrong areas. So I want to take you on a little journey this morning, okay? See, I'm a logical type of thinker. And some of you just smiled because you're like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever had a logical thought in your brain ever. That's hurtful. Um, 
But no, for real, I, I really am. Like, I love math and science. I was a math and uh, chemistry major in college before I uh, took the call of being a pastor. And, but I love math and science because there is an answer. There is a for sure answer. Where that silly English stuff, there just isn't a real answer, right? My English teacher in high school, she didn't like my story, and so she didn't give me a good grade. Well, you know what, Mrs. Matthews, I liked my stories, okay? <laughs> Looking at you. I don't think she's watching. <laughs> but for real, there's not a real answer. But in math and science, there's a real answer. And even in science, many times you already have the answer, like you have the product, and now you need to figure out, you got to work backwards to figure out why does this work and what are the pieces that make it work. And so today, we're going to work backwards. And we're going to figure this out. So I want to start with our goal, which is to walk like Jesus. That's our goal, to walk like Jesus. If walking or living like Jesus is our goal and working harder is to, to, like, to be a good person is not working, it's not making that happen, how do we do that? What is going to make it happen? How do we walk like Jesus? Okay, so we're going to take a step back. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, so not the Gospels, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But later on, John writes three other books right before Revelation. So 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 3 right off the bat here. Verse 3 says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Okay? Now, I'm going to pause here and I want to clarify something right off the bat. Now, keeping his commandments is the same as walking like Jesus in this aspect. Let me, sh let me tell you what I mean, right? Um, when Jesus was around, he's walking through town, and this Pharisee walks up to him and says, Jesus, what is the most important commandment, right? Maybe some of you remember this story. And Jesus looks at him and says, actually, there's two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the other is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? He says, these commandments, if you do these things, you are good. Jesus is, is teaching us how he lives his life. In everything I do, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. And if I'm doing that, I'm walking, I'm living like Jesus. So our goal is to keep his commandments, to live like him, right? Then what does this verse say that we know to be true if we keep his commandments? Well, this verse says, John tells us that if we keep Jesus' commandments, if we walk like him, it shows us that we truly know him. We know him. When we know him, we'll keep his commandments. If we're keeping his commandments, we know him. Walking like Jesus is a result of knowing him. So to keep his commandments, his teachings, to walk like Jesus, we need to know him. Okay, so that's the second part. We're working backwards here. Our goal is to walk like Jesus. And now to do that, we know that we need to know him. So how do we do that? How do we know Jesus? We're going to look back at 1 John chapter 2 again. And this time we're going to move a little bit forward, verses 5 and 6. It says this, By this we may know him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, in, which, in the way Jesus walked. So there's our words again. We have know and we have walk, but we have another word in here that's very important. And this is the key for us today. It's the word abide. To walk like Jesus, we need to know him, and we know him by abiding in him. By abiding in him. We know him if we abide in him, and then we walk like him. Now, this word abide, 
We don't use this word very much in our language or in our culture today, right? Uh, so what does it mean to abide, okay? And I want to show you one more verse that we're going to look at, one more verse. So stick with me here. Come on back. This verse is a really good one. It's going to help us to start to understand what it means to abide and how we do that, okay? So John chapter 15, this is now the gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus teaches something to us. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you abide in me. Yes, I am the vine. Jesus, Jesus is saying this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can work all day long, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't know me, you can do nothing. And we have this picture of a vine and a branch. And we don't have very many vines around here. Maybe they do out in California, but we don't have that like they did in Jerusalem during Jesus' time. So I'm going to talk to you about a tree and a branch, okay? It's the same thing. I promise I'm not changing scripture here. It's the same concept. It just fits us better. So I have a tree branch with me today. Look at this. So this tree branch right here is... Um, it's actually off one of the crab apple trees in my, in my yard. And my, my kids, they forget that they're getting bigger. And so they think they can swing on branches. And when you do that and you're bigger, well, this happens. So I have two of these beauties in my yard. One's pink, one is white, and they are absolutely gorgeous in the spring for about two weeks, right? If you have these, you know what I'm talking about. They, they bloom and then they just turn like a dark green, kind of a purplish color. But they are, they're great. And then later in the year, they actually sprout these crab apple trees. They grow these little crab apples, you know, the smaller ones. And the kids love to pick those and throw them at each other. Those babies stain, if you didn't know. <laughs> um, but, but take a look at this branch. Does this branch look like, it, like the, the branch on the screen? Does it look pretty? Does it look pink? Does it have those cute little apples on it? No, absolutely not. And Why? You could say, duh, here, because it's dead. Hello. And why is it dead? Because it's not connected to the tree anymore. And when a branch it gets disconnected from the tree, it doesn't get the nutrients it needs, right? The tree gives the nutrients to the branch. Without the tree, the branch can do nothing except get brown and die and be useless. That's what our scripture is telling us, too. The only way that we are going to be able to produce fruit is to abide in him. In other words, if we aren't connected to God, we will not be able to walk like Jesus. We have to be connected to God to, or we won't receive the nutrients, right? We won't receive what we need to survive in the Christian life. There's no way we are going to produce Christian fruit. There's no way we're going to walk like him if we aren't connected to God who is our vine, our tree. If we ever disconnect ourselves from him, we become dead and we become useless. Ooh. Shedding everywhere too as you go. But if we are connected, if we are connected, it looks to me as I read these verses that it's almost like if you're connected to God, you will automatically 
produce fruit. Do you see that in, verse, in, verse, um, in John 15 here, those verses? It says, those who abide in me and I in them will produce fruit. It doesn't say that you have to work to produce fruit. It doesn't say you have to strive. It says you just need to abide or be connected to God. And, and we're going to talk about how we abide in just a minute. But for now, I want you to see the importance of this so that when we do talk about it, you're all in. You're all ears, okay? It almost seems like if we are connected to Jesus, we will automatically start living like him. And, and this isn't going to happen overnight, right? Like you just spend one night with him reading your Bible and all of a sudden, boom, I'm like Jesus. I wish, but that's not how it works. It's a continual abiding. It's continually being with him. A branch doesn't just grow on a tree overnight. It's a slow growth process. But think about this. When you spend a good amount of time with someone, anyone, you begin to act like them, right? Think about your family. You have things that you do, things that you say, things that you like, that your parents did and said and liked. And now your kids are doing and saying and liking some of those things. Or think about some of your best friends, your closest friends that you spend most of your time with. Guess what? You act and you do and you say and you like a lot of the same things that your friends do. It's just how we were created. We were created to become whatever we take in, whether it's the people around us or the, the media or the information, whatever we take in is who we kind of become and what we start putting out, the fruit that we start to produce. My kids um, are a lot like me. Lucky, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> we spend a lot of time together, and I teach them a lot of things, some good, some bad. We talk about a lot of things and uh, they've seen me do all sorts of things over and over and over. I like Star Wars. You knew it was coming, right? Uh, I like Star Wars. If you know me at all, you know that. I got books, I got movies, I got TV shows, I got games, collectibles, all of it. I, like, I love everything about Star Wars, um, even Jar Jar. <laughs> if you know what that means. Some of you are like, what? Never mind. You're not geek enough for me. Uh, but my kids... They play with lightsabers. My kids have Star Wars books. They go to the library or go to school and get Star Wars books. They watch Star Wars cartoons with me a lot. Uh, I also have this saying, this isn't about Star Wars, but this is uh, my kids like what I like. My kids say what I say. I have this saying that I say a lot, normal is boring. Normal is boring. I say, I've said this to my kids their whole life and then I often add on to that, the only opinion that matters of you is God's opinion. And I make sure that they understand that. I've said that so many times that my kids now say it. Uh, normal is boring. Then there's something that I do that my kids now do. One thing I do that they do is give to missions. It's a huge part of who I am. I love um, supporting global, local missions, our kingdom builders stuff. I think it's so important. My kids know this. They know we give. My wife and I, we give to missions every single month. We do certain months um, every once in a while where we will sacrifice and we'll stop going out to eat or we'll stop doing certain things so that we can give extra. We talk to our kids and teach them and, and kind of push them even to do extra jobs or to figure out how to raise money to give to missions. It's, it's something that they do now. And it's true. 
It's absolutely true that we become like the people that we are connected to. And guess what? The more time that you spend with God, the more you're going to start to do and say and like the same things that he does. Because you will automatically, by osmosis, like pick up his heart, like start downloading his heart for the things that he loves. And you'll start to like understand his teachings and want to follow his teachings. When we're closely connected with God, so many things change in our lives. Listen, our worries, when we're connected to God, our worries, they don't seem as big because we're close to a bigger God. Our problems, they aren't as daunting because we're close to a God who can do all things. Our sin isn't as debilitating because, well, we're close to the God who gave us freedom from that sin. Our shortcomings aren't as prevalent because we're close to a God that transforms. When we are closely connected to God, let me tell you, we worry less, we lie less, we're more generous, we're more kind, we're less selfish, our language honors him more, we gossip less, we forgive more, we share our faith more, all pretty much automatically as we spend more and more time like him because we're becoming like who we spend our time with. We don't have to work to become more like him. Because when we're connected, we're transformed. But being connected to him doesn't come automatically. Abiding or connecting with God is the one area we have to work our tails off at. That is the one area that we have to work at. It seems like it shouldn't take much work to connect or to have a relationship with anyone, let alone God. But we struggle with this. It's hard. We struggle with the basic things that will keep us connected to him. It's, it's hard to make sure that we set aside time. It's hard to connect with someone that we don't quite understand completely. And so I want to talk about what does that look like? How, how do we truly connect with God? How do we do this? Well, we're going to start with this. We said that it's work. It takes work. And when you have to work at something, you have to have self-discipline. When you're working at something, you have to have self-discipline or you're going to give up on it right now. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the, these basic things that we need to do to connect with God, do you know what they're called? Spiritual disciplines. They're called spiritual disciplines. And maybe you've heard that phrase, maybe you haven't. But I want to talk about what these things are. It basically uh, describes all the things that we do to connect with God. The other interesting thing I think about this is, you know, the idea of work and self-discipline and spiritual disciplines is that none of the things that we actually strive to do are considered spiritual disciplines. Like not sinning. It's not a spiritual discipline. We strive to not sin, but it's not a spiritual Not worrying. We try so hard to not worry, but it's not a spiritual discipline. Even sharing our faith with others is not technically a spiritual discipline, something that you should work at and you have to work at. So what are spiritual disciplines? Well, I'm not going to be able to give you an exhaustive list this morning, but I do want to give you uh, a few things. And it's pretty much just like I said, anything that helps you connect with God. So you have the two obvious ones, right? You're all thinking, prayer, reading my Bible. Those are the two obvious ones. But you also have things like fasting and worship and solitude and fellowship and celebration. And there's more. There's more than that. 
And this, and this list might seem a little bit daunting, a little bit scary, because many of us, we struggle to even do the first two. And we don't even understand them. But there's so many resources out there available, okay? I need you to understand this. I need you to get this. This is where the work comes in. This is where a little bit of self-discipline and maybe a little bit of discomfort comes in. There's places that you can hear about this. There's places you can learn how to pray better and to read your Bible and understand it more. You can, there's people in this room right now, including us pastors, who would love to sit down with you and talk to you about how do I have a fulfilling prayer life and how, how do I understand and get something out of the Bible. There's resources all over the internet, okay, that you can go and you can find. How do I read my Bible and understand it? There are classes that you can take. I'm, I'm doing the Bible Project some of the Bible Project classes right now. Um, if, you go to, if you just search Bible Project and then you go and you click the classroom button, it is fabulous. They have classes on Ephesians and Genesis and even just what is the Bible, and it helps you understand so much more. There are resources out there, and I get it. I get it that, that this takes work. Like setting up a time to meet with somebody in here and actually learn how do I read my Bible, how do I pray, or actually to go online and figure out all of these things and maybe watch a... A video like these classes are, they're like 14 hours long. You can split them up, but it's work. It takes time. But guess what? It's a discipline. That's the point. You have to work for it. Those are the things we should be working on. And you might not even know what the other disciplines on this list are, but you could totally figure it out if you wanted to, right? So many times we use these things as excuses. Well, I don't even know what that is. I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. And we use it as an excuse and we just say, you know what? I'm just not going to do it then. It's too much work. It's a discipline. If a relationship with God is truly important to you, you will put in the work to make that relationship strong. And then just watch and see. Watch and see how your whole world is transformed as you grow closer to him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these disciplines that lead to a strong relationship, like being connected, abiding in him, that is the secret. And it's not even a secret. The Bible's been teaching this for thousands of years. Churches have been teaching this for thousands of years. The internet has had resources for 20 years. <laughs> but 20 years is still a long time that we've had this information and we haven't done anything with it yet, maybe. It, it takes... It takes effort to learn about this stuff and to figure out how do I actually do this? How do I make it work? Like fellowship. How, do, how does that work? What's fellowship? I believe that this spiritual dis discipline of fellowship is almost as important as reading our Bibles. Talking to other Christians, I believe, is almost as important as talking to God. We have people in our lives that are going the same direction as us, encouraging us, keeping us accountable, that is a massive help. Another thing people do is they show me, how, how do I do this Christian life? Like sometimes I just watch people and I, I see what they're doing and I hear about people who have these amazing walks with Jesus and I'm like, okay, what are they doing? Sometimes I ask them and I ask them to teach me, how do you do this? What are you doing? I want to be able to have a relationship with Jesus. I see you're connected to him. Help me with that. And fellowship, again, fellowship can be hard. I get it. Some of us, some of you, are introverted. I'm not introverted. Some of you are introverted, and I get that. Some of you don't like to be around people all the time. 
And it's hard to try to get together with people. I work with people all day. I just want to go home and be by myself. I understand, and I'm not downplaying any of that. I get it. But this is a discipline. It takes work. It takes a little bit of discomfort sometimes. It is important, and we need to make it happen. Fellowship is also hard because, you know, it's just, it's tough to find people who are not too busy or to find someone who is following Jesus that you actually enjoy to be around. That's hard sometimes too. There's just not not that many other people in our lives a lot of times that are following Jesus. So it takes work to find those people and to make it happen. Worship team, you can come and get ready. So fellowship. What about solitude? What about solitude? This spiritual discipline of solitude is so important. It is integral to abiding in Jesus. And we stink at this, especially as Americans. I'm telling you, many times, many times the term solitude goes with another term, silence. We need times where we are completely disconnected from everything and everyone disconnected from everything and everyone. Why? So that we can focus, give our complete focus to God. And it's a time to pour out our hearts and it's a time to hear from him. But we're so connected. We're so connected to everyone and everything from television to laptops to cell phones, social media, even our vehicles get us to places and get us to people that might not be possible in any other way. We are so connected. It's so much easier for us to do anything we want. We're so busy. We don't have time to just slow down and connect. And we wonder why God doesn't speak to me and I've never had a powerful experience with him. It takes discipline to make room for God. We have to, we have to work hard to make room for God. We have to work at this. This is the one thing, abiding, working hard. Solitude, silence. God, we wanna hear from you right now. For the next few minutes, we set aside distractions. We open up our hearts completely. God, we wanna hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to us directly, individually. Help us to shut out everything else focus on you.
nice if we had our own personal worship team and our own personal pastor to make us do things like this every once in a while. We don't have that. It's on us. Here it is one last time. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our goal is to walk like Jesus did. But we can only do that if we know him. And the only way we get to know him is if we abide in him, if we are connected to him. We don't strive at being better. We don't strive to stop sinning. I'm giving you permission right here, right now, to walk out of this place today and not try to be better. Sounds ridiculous, but that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to try to be better people. This is not behavior modification. We don't strive at being better. We strive to be connected with him. When you abide in him, you will know him. And when you know him, you will walk like him. That's the... That's what we see in the Bible. And some of us, we're, we know him pretty well. Some of us, maybe not as much. Some of us, not at all. There's some people in here today, I believe, maybe you don't know Jesus at all. You've never had a relationship with him. You've never started a relationship with him. You're not connected with him. Or maybe, maybe you were at some point, or maybe you kind of believe, but you're not really connected. I'm telling you, today could be your day. Today could be the day where you start this relationship that we've been talking about this whole morning. See, this relationship, it's the whole reason you exist. People ask the question all the time, what's the meaning of life? It's easy. It's not a hard question. God created you so that you would be in relationship with him. That's it. That is why you are here, to have a relationship with Jesus. And if we're going around living this life without him, without a relationship with him, we're, we're not living the way why, why we were created to live. He created you so simply that he, he could know you and be with you. But sin has separated us from him. And it breaks his heart. And so he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to take away your sin so that you didn't have to die, so that you didn't have to take the punishment. Jesus wanted to do that. We all deserve to die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus is eternal life. He not only created you for that one purpose, to know him, to be connected to him, but when we messed it up, he found another way to be with us. All we have to do is believe in him and make the decision to live life in relationship with him. I would love everybody to just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment here. I want this to be an intimate time between you and God. And I wanna pray for you if you wanna make this decision to start moving forward into relationship with God, to start a relationship. So if you've never made that decision, or you want to make that decision again, you wanna recommit your life to Jesus because you know you're not right with him right now. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Yes. 
Anybody else? Who else can I pray for this morning? You want to start this relationship with Jesus. Even if you're behind a screen right now, you can make this decision in your heart. I can't see your hand, but you know what? God sees you. He knows you. He wants you. And so I just want to pray. And I'd love everybody to pray with me. These aren't magic words, but these are words that should come from our hearts as we make this commitment to him this morning. So pray this. Pray, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me so that I didn't have to. Please forgive me for the sin in my life. Please come into my life and help me know you more. And God, I pray that you help all of us here know you more. Give us the dis discipline, give us the passion to go after you with all of our hearts. And as we do, transform us, change us to be more like you. God, we love you and we truly, truly do want to know you more. Thank you for continually coming after us, pursuing us, even when we're not coming after you. You're waiting there with open arms. Thank you, God. Help us to walk out of this place today with one thing on our mind, connecting with you, knowing you more. God, we need you. We wanna be like you. Help us. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate some of those decisions this morning. That's awesome.